Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. The last message that we had in this, I, I, I sent this to the sound booth so you could be reminded. Uh, if you were here, if you weren't here, this is what we looked at in the verses that we covered. Number one, faithfulness, regardless of our circumstance, separates true believers from the lost. Again, Paul was commending the Thessalonian believers for their steadfastness. And they were steadfast, if you remember, we covered this in, in 1 Thessalonians, they were steadfast in the face of great persecution. They just got saved, Paul got kicked out of the city, and they continued steadfast in their faith, even without the Apostle Paul there. So Paul was commending them that their faith was resounding, that they were continuing steadfast in the face of all of these things they were going through. They endured because they were true Christians. They had truly placed their faith in Jesus Christ. And again, that shows us today what true Christianity looks like. Christians, we don't just stop because things get hard or things don't go our way or we don't get what we want. We don't stop gathering. We don't stop sharing. We don't stop trying to, to live to please the Lord. We continue because we have trust of the Lord completely. And so again, faithfulness, regardless of circumstance, separates true believers from the lost. Number two, unity tells the lost that the kingdom of God is real and it's worth being a part of. You see that? Unity, when we are together as the body of Christ, it tells the world out there who don't know Christ that it's real. The kingdom of God is real and it's worth being a part of. I shared the illustration of an LED panel. And we talked about the, the, each diode has a, has a function. And when it goes out or when a part of it goes out, then it affects the whole picture, the whole purpose of the LED panel as a whole. And so, again, we each have a part to, to be in this. And so, um, number three was everlasting judgment is coming to those who oppose God. And that includes his church, his men, and his word. So, again, those who oppose the Lord's church, those who oppose uh, the things of God, the Word of God, God Himself, judgment is coming to those people. And so, uh, again, for us as Christians, that doesn't bring us joy uh, when we think, man, God's going to finally strike all the lost people. We're not rejoicing that because that means that they're eternally going to be separated from God. Now, in certain circumstances, you know, we see tragedies around our world, stuff that happens in Florida, stuff that happens in other places where evil is just poured out, and we say, man, I... I I can't wait for evil to be done away with. One day, God will do, do away with all evil. But until that time, God's door is still open. The grace is still available for people to get saved. And I praise God for that. Uh, I praise God that in my lifetime, the door is still open and I was able to get saved. You should be grateful for that too. The same thing is true though. There's people out there that are lost, that, that they need Jesus Christ. Um, and again, the door is open for now. But one day, it's going to close and judgment's going to come. So... Let's pray. I want to move forward in this and uh, see what God has. Father, thank you for this time again. We thank you for allowing us to be here and to meet tonight. Uh, God, we celebrate you. Lord, this, this time that we get to get, uh, gather in your name is such a special time. Lord, I, I look forward to being able to do this for all of eternity, uh, to not have any hindrances, to be just about you and, and, and worshiping you. And so these, these moments in, in our lifetime that we get to do this on Wednesday nights and Sundays and and even gathering on Thursdays to share the gospel with our community. Uh, they're so special, God. And I pray that we would never forget how special this time is for us. Especially for us in America, we have complete freedom uh, to do this. And so, God, we're thankful. And I pray that we would take advantage of this opportunity. Lord, as we go through your word and we learn these lessons, I pray that we would listen to them, that we would heed these lessons, that we would apply them in our life where it's necessary, and that through all this you'd get the glory. Father, we pray that tonight, if there is somebody here tonight, whether it's a child or adult, that's lost, um, maybe they've gone to church, maybe they said a prayer, but they're lost, they, they, they never truly surrendered their life to you, uh, I ask that you would move in their hearts tonight, and they'd realize uh, that today's the day of salvation, and um, that they would take advantage of this as well. Lord, help us again to receive your word tonight, and I pray you just use me as a vessel, and that way you would get all the glory from everything. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 is where we pick up. It says, wherefore, or again, he was up, up until the, the verse 10, uh, he, he's, he's talked about, you know, the Lord's coming back with flame and fire. He's going to pour out judgment on this um, after he commended them. And now he's saying, in light of that, 
We also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling. Now, I, I don't, we, we can just read right over that. And again, the word this was added by the translators. If you're using your physical Bible, you see that um, the word, it's not on there, but on, the word this is italicized. And that's because it was added by the translator. Uh, but this is something important for us to get. This is the calling of God. Remember, Paul had already commended them for their steadfastness. They were, they were facing great opposition, great persecution. And Paul says, you're doing good in this. And again, he just gave them hope with this truth of the Lord's return. He's coming back. He's coming with his, his, his angels. He's coming with fire. He's coming to judge the world. He's going to rescue us from this world. But I want you to notice also that the letter to them didn't contain any charges, didn't contain any commands, addressing their unwillingness to continue in the faith in spite of the difficulties that they faced. He, he wasn't giving them like, hey, you guys need to keep being faithful. You guys need to, uh, you, 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 you've fallen away from this. Again, there's other churches that he did this to, but not to the Thessalonian believers. And to me, it seems at times that there's certain professing believers there, that there's this sway in, in commitment, even to gathering as a body. And this is an amazing privilege that we have here. And, 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 and we have, in our day and time, people profess to have absolute confidence in Jesus Christ, yet there's a sway in their commitment to him. And so some questions came to my mind, and I put them there in your notes if you have it. And, and, and here are some thoughts that it made me think of. In light of their commitment, in light of what Paul is praying for them here, that they would be worthy of the calling, this calling of steadfastness in the face of persecution, this calling to, to go through these difficulties as they're following Jesus Christ, it makes me ask the question, what does it say if someone who professes to be in the family of God has a hard time gathering with that family consistently? You know, think about that. I mean, what does that say if, if you don't want to be around certain people or it appears that you don't want to be around certain people? You know, it, it, it doesn't say very many good things. Another question is how will they fare when that's our entire existence for all of eternity is gathering to worship the Lord. Now, again, we'll have things to do. There's, there, uh, there's no question in my mind. Again, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe, based off of what God did in the Garden of Eden, giving Adam responsibilities, telling him to tend to the garden, he gave him responsibility to name the animals. Uh, I, I believe that in God's eternal kingdom, when he reconciles and he makes all things new and, and we're there in God's, uh, in, in this eternal life with him, I believe there will be things that we are doing. I don't think, in, in, in my mind, it's, it's all going to be just standing or kneeling or bowing before the throne for, for you know, billions and trillions of years. If we did that, it would be amazing. I, I, I think it would be amazing because, uh, again, we would be centered around Jesus Christ. We'd be centered around the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But I, I truly believe that there are things that we're going to be doing in that new earth or on that new earth, under that new heaven, serving the Lord in this kingdom in a new way as well as being able to bring glory to him, to be able to worship him, to, to, to exalt him all the time, anytime. And I don't think that there's going to be an opportunity that we have or a thought in our mind that I just I don't know that I'm going to make it to the throne today. I think that's going to be the center of our world. I can't wait to go to the throne today. I can't wait to go and, and, and worship at his feet. And so again, when I think about this, um, the swaying in, in, in our culture today, it causes a lot of concern. But what does it say if the smallest of distractions and circumstances can knock us or knock professing believers off track? And I'm not saying that every believer is going to be this unmovable rock. Every believer is going to be uh, completely untouched by circumstances, completely unaffected by, by temptation pulling them. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But I do find it interesting that the Thessalonian believers line up with the characteristics that both Jesus taught and that the Apostle Paul taught would be in true believers. It's interesting that they have this. Some of, the, some of the main characteristics that's found in true believers, continuance, perseverance, steadfastness, faithfulness. I believe these Thessalonian believers, and I don't know every single person in the church if they had this, but as a whole, I believe 
that they had a real relationship with Jesus Christ. It was real. It wasn't imaginary. It wasn't some ritualistic thing. It wasn't a religion. It was a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And that was how they were able to press forward in the face of these hardships. Why? Because Jesus mattered to them. In everything, he mattered to them. In their jobs, in, in, in their families, in, in the opportunities that they had to gather, even if it was under great persecution in their city, Jesus mattered to them. That's why they pressed forward. That's why they continued steadfast. That's why they were faithful in all of these things, because he mattered. He mattered to them. And it was seen in the fact that they were more concerned about his plan and fulfilling his plan than they were about their own plan. Paul here is reminding them through this prayer that he's telling them that he's praying for them that it was an honor to serve the Lord and to suffer through serving God. If you were here on Sunday, remember that, that we were talking in the past couple Sundays, we've been talking about the persecution uh, that true believers would face Jesus telling his, his disciples there, you're going to go through this. Persecution is going to come at the end of time for his people. But we've got to realize this is the call of serving Christ, that we're going to sacrifice, that we're going to suffer, that there's going to be things that we face, and, and it may be persecution. But regardless of what we go through in the path of obedience to Jesus Christ, all of it is an honor to suffer even in the littlest way in this path of obedience is an honor. Especially for the one who suffered everything for us. Who paid it all for us. What an amazing honor it is. And if you, again, I've mentioned this book before, but if you've ever read Fox, Fox's book of martyrs, you see some of these, these people who were martyred for their faith, that, that's some of the things that they were contemplating when they were being you know, tied to the stake and going to be burned at the stake or fed to lions or whatever, for their faith in Jesus Christ, a lot of the things that kept them going and holding true to their faith and their commitment and their, and their profession uh, of faith in Jesus Christ was the fact that Jesus, they knew Jesus gave his all for them. It was him they kept in mind. Again, he says, we're always praying for you that God would continue to deem you worthy of this calling. In our lives, so many times we're looking for ways, and you've heard me say this before, but so many ways how we can comfortably serve God instead of just saying, here I am, Lord. I'll serve you however you want me to serve you. I'll serve you through whatever persecution. I'll serve you through whatever affliction. I'll serve you through whatever sacrifice. I'll serve you through whatever, but it's your calling. It's not my calling. I don't set out the rules. You set out the rules. You put me on the path, and I simply obey it's an honor if in that course that we suffer for him. Because again, he walked that path before us and suffered in our place. So again, that's the Apostle Paul's mindset. That's what he's praying for these Thessalonian believers, that God would continue to count them worthy to fulfill this calling. And so again, the questions of examination for our lives, are we truly wholly given to serving the Lord? Are we truly wholly given to serving the Lord, not serving ourselves, but are we truly, is this my life? Are we truly completely faithful to his things, even over our things? Is that the, the definition of our life? I'm absolutely faithful to the things of God over my things. Is that our testimony? Is that our testimony in this world? It makes me think how easily we can dismiss even gathering and worship to the king. I realize that people, you know, have jobs. People are sick. People go out of town and stuff. We were talking about this the other day, and there was a time when Rochelle and I were first dating, and there would be discussions that we'd have whether we felt like going to church in the evening service or not. And I think back to that time, and it breaks my heart that, I, that, that there was a conversation. And again, we, we, I, I, you know, I hadn't come to a place of, of, of spiritual maturity yet, I guess. I guess it was a place of growth that I, that I hadn't gotten to or whatever, to where I, I realized how much of a joy and privilege it is to, to gather to worship the king. I mean, my life is supposed to be about him. Why would I ever place anything in front of his things? 
Whether it was worship service or, or witnessing for him, you, you've recently heard me talk about like we, we look at the things of God and serving God and how they fit into our schedules. And I'm like, that's backwards. Like we should say, God, what are your priorities? Well, what are the things that you have given me in your calling to fulfill in the life that you've given to, given to me? I, I didn't earn this life. I didn't, I didn't make this life. It's not my air that I created that I'm breathing. All of it's his. And so my life is to be submitted to him and saying, God, what is it that you want me to do with my life? I'm to put your things first above everything in this world. And Brother Jeffrey shared it Sunday night, love not this world, neither things in this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't love the things of the world over the things of God. It shows that the love of God is not in us if that's the case. The things of God should be the most important things in our lives if we claim to be a child of God. But again, that's where the, the disconnect comes in today, where our lives are so busy and scheduled out. That, that, that even something like gathering, I mean, it doesn't really take a whole lot. I mean, you guys, I mean, there's other people that are serving, but you in this, in this you know, sanctuary, you're sitting there, you know. Hopefully you're engaging and you're listening and you're trying to let the Lord speak to you through the, 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 the word of God and the message tonight. But, but it's not taken, I mean, you're not having to like labor or anything right now. And sometimes we allow the, the smallest of things and the worldliest of things to keep us from this so we can dismiss what it is how easily can we disregard gathering for worship how easily can we disregard witnessing for him that's one of those things that it just becomes an uncomfortable social thing for us right it becomes a social issue not an issue of obedience it becomes i'm not made that way i'm not comfortable doing that but it's disregarding all of these social things or the social skills that we don't have it, it's taking those things and disregarding the command that, that still stands, regardless of how we feel or how we feel we're wired, it still is, go into all the world and teach all people, teach every nation. It's your job. It's the church. It's not, it's not, it's not just my job. It's not just certain people who are comfortable or who are uh, extroverts or, or, or who feel qualified enough. It's the church's job to get the gospel out. And Brother Jeffrey again mentioned the other night, he said, you know, I don't know what happened if I would lose my voice, if I didn't have the ability to preach. I would hope that I would have the, you know, the faith to, to figure out how to do it some other way. God's given us a voice. He's given us his, his spirit. He's given us his salvation. He's given us the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation. And so we should use this time and redeem this time to share that gospel with people we encounter. So again, how easily can we disregard witnessing for him? It's part of the call of God in our lives as his children. How easily do we get derailed in our commitment to him? And just obedience in everyday life. Again, how easily does this happen in our lives? If you answered, no, I'm not wholly given to serving him. If you answered, no, I'm not truly completely faithful to his things even over my things. And if you answered, I'm easily I easily dismiss or I easily disregard or I'm easily derailed. Then we have to answer the question, then am I fulfilling this call to discipleship? That apparently the, the, the Thessalonian believers were fulfilling. They were, they were new Christians. They weren't, you know, I, I've been saved for 29 years now. Some of these, these Thessalonian believers had been saved just a, a short while. And yet they were, they were fulfilling this call of discipleship. And Paul says, no, I'm praying that God would continue to see, deem you worthy, consider you worthy to fulfill this calling. So again, in your notes there, is it truly following Christ if we only do it in our convenience? Is it truly discipleship? Is it truly, again, compared to these Thessalonian believers, are we truly following Christ? Am I truly a disciple of Christ if I only do it when it works for me? When it, when it only works in my schedule, when it's only convenient, am I a true follower of Jesus Christ? The second question, am I truly following Christ if we only do it in, my, in, in our comfort? 
if it's only something that fits within the parameters that I'm comfortable of doing versus in the path of obedience, regardless if it's persecution, if it's affliction, if it's uncomfortability, if it's sacrifice. No, no, no. Am I truly following Christ? Or am I only following Christ because I'm comfortable in this area? Is it truly following Christ if we only do it in our calling? Again, similar to what I mentioned a while ago, we kind of can, can define what the calling of God looks like in our life. Well, I go to church, I give, I sing during the songs, I sit during the message. No, 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 no. The calling of God is a lot more encompassing than just that. It's every day, 24 hours a day. I mean, it's, 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 it's all the time. We are a follower of Christ. We're a disciple of him. And so again, is it truly following him if we only do it in what we define as God's calling, not his calling? See, in our lives, we can get derailed, as I said a while ago, so easily, and we can see the hardships in our lives as obstacles. I just, I just don't know if it, I can do this. We see it as an obstacle and not a divine opportunity. We often let fear drive our silence of the gospel. I'm afraid of what they might ask me. I'm afraid of, of, uh, of not knowing the answer. And so we let fear drive our silence. I'm uncomfortable. Man, I will say this. I would, I would much rather be uncomfortable and talking to a complete stranger out of, my, out of my character, out of what's comfortable, and just let me just live my life and, and serve the Lord and follow. Out of, out of all those things, I would rather be uncomfortable like that, talking to a stranger about Jesus Christ being able to save them, than being uncomfortably tied to a stake before I'm burned. And so I'm living in freedom right now. I'm living in this amazing opportunity that I can go up to a stranger and share the gospel. But I have brothers and sisters that don't have that same freedom and haven't had that same freedom throughout their life and who have been tied to a stake very uncomfortably after they've been beaten and tried to, to get recanted, you know, their, their, their faith recanted. And they've been lit on fire like a human torch. I would rather be uncomfortable in trying to share the gospel with someone than be persecuted like that. That's just kind of my preference. Maybe you're not. Maybe you have the other one. Maybe you say, you know, I'd rather be tied to a stake than talk to somebody. Some people are kind of wired like that, you know, um, but uh, that's not me. But God's calling includes hardship. God's calling includes suffering. We know that. It includes difficulty. You say, how do you know that for sure? Why? I mean, I hear preachers on TV. I hear, I've, I've been to other churches where people say this and say that, and, 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 and it's the blessed life. It is the blessed life. But all throughout Scripture, we see that God's calling includes giants that we have to face. God's calling includes seas that we're brought up to with the enemy behind our back. God's calling includes armies that want to destroy us. God's calling includes thorns in our flesh that won't go away. God's calling involves mountains that we face caves that we hide in, valleys that, are, that battles are fought in. God's calling sometimes includes kings that want to wipe us off the face of the earth. God's calling includes pharaohs. It includes governors who have no desire for God. God's calling includes whips with stones in them. God's calling includes crosses to be crucified on. God's calling includes all of that. God's calling also includes slingshots. God's calling includes clouds during the day, pillars of fire at night. God's calling also includes dry ground in the middle of seas. God's calling also has to do with manna being provided every single morning. God's calling can also spring about songs of joy in the middle of a prison, in the middle of the night. God's calling includes freedom. It includes salvation. It includes heaven. 
And God's calling, better than everything, includes him at the end of it all. So when we look at the calling of God and we say, these hardships are too difficult, you know, all, all of this stuff, we've got to remember that with all the problems that we face in the path of obedience and the calling of God, all the provisions are also there if we're obedient in the calling of God. But sometimes we get so focused on the problems, we get so focused on the hardships, so focused on the difficulties, and we just kind of set aside this, this, this obedience. And, and no, 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 keep going in the middle of the hardship. Keep going in the middle of the distraction. Keep going in the midst of the struggle. Keep going, keep pressing forward. Why? Because along that path, God provides what only God can provide. And so I wonder, with all of this, if we're living in such a way that we are worthy of his calling. So we don't, we don't want to embrace the hardships and experience the provisions and the blessings amidst those things because we're so in search of comfort and convenience and, and all those things. I, I want to serve God the way I want to serve God. So point number one, so we should daily strive for our lives to be deemed worthy of God's calling. And Paul prayed this, that the Lord would continue to deem the Thessalonians worthy of this. And again, I want to make, make sure and be clear on this, that we can't do this in human effort or power. There's no way that I can continue through hardships and struggle. There's no way that I can continue and be faithful in the things of God. With all the difficulties that come my way, there's no way I can do that in my own human strength. Because as soon as I start trying to do that in my own human strength, you know what happens? This is a word that people throw around all the time. It really, it really I, I don't like the word. Burnout. It drives me crazy. I'm just kind of burned out. Well, stop operating in your flesh then. That's the, that's, the, that's the response. Because that's what happens. When we operate in our flesh, then we burn out. We don't have the strength to continue. We, that's why we've been given the supernatural helper of God, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of us. That when things get so far beyond our own strength, then his strength kicks in. That's what Paul said. My strength, his strength is made perfect in my weakness. Again, this is only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only possible when we say, you know what? I'm going to submit to God. I don't know how to make it through this hardship. I don't make, know how to make it through this difficulty. I don't know how to make it this. You think the, the, the Thessalonian believers had enough theology in their, 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 their tool bag and their, in their new salvation to, to face the, the persecution they were facing? from the Judaizers, from these people who were, who were law experts, there's no way that they could do that. They had to absolutely rely on the Holy Spirit's power in their life. They had to submit. And that was the key to their strength throughout this persecution. That was the key to them continuing on, was that they had to continually stay submitted. Romans chapter 6, verse 13 says, "...neither yield you your mem members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin." But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Again, I, I share that verse because Paul was talking about the, the, the issue that many people thought uh, they could sin because where sin uh, does abound, grace, grace does much, much more abound. And so I asked the question, shall we sin that grace can show up even more? And he says, God forbid. No, no. How can you continue on in sin when you're dead to sin is what his argument was. Uh, and the Holy Spirit was inspiring him to write that, and he eventually gets down to this, and he says this. That it's a choice that we make in our lives to either say, I'm going to submit myself to God, I'm going to yield myself to God as his instrument, and I'm going to yield myself to this old nature of, of sin. But again, to, to do these things, it's only possible through the grace of God. And so tonight, I want to encourage us. I, I want us to commit. I want us to say, you know what? I'm going to do this, regardless of how difficult regardless of, uh, of what tempts me to quit, regardless of what comes against me in my life, what doesn't go my way, what tries to sway me, regardless of all these things, I will stay because I will submit and I will let the Holy Spirit give me the strength. I will strive for faithfulness regardless of what comes against me. Let's commit that tonight. Let's say, you know what? It, whatever physical, whatever financial, whatever relational, whatever spiritual, all these things may come against me in my life, and I'm going to submit myself to God 
so that I can have the strength to make it through and be found worthy of this calling of obedience, this calling of discipleship, of following Christ. So when my life is looked at, it brings glory to God. Paul continues his prayer for them in the verse there, verse 11, he says, and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. That you, that, God, that you be found worthy of the calling of God and that you would fulfill all, or he would fulfill all the goodness of, uh, good pleasure of his goodness. So this prayer is in, in including that God would accomplish every satisfying element, the, the good pleasure, every satisfying element of his goodness in their resolve. So because they were steadfast, because they were faithful, because they resolved to say, you know what? We can be persecuted, we can be killed for our faith. Because of this, God, Paul says, I'm praying that God would fulfill all of his good pleasure, every satisfying element that there, that there can be found in the path of obedience that will be found in your life, that you'll experience it according to his goodness. Again, when I, when I think about this, I'm thinking, man, that's what I want. I, that, that's, that's exactly what I want. I, I don't want, I don't want uh, the, the, the satisfying elements according to the world. I want the satisfying elements according to God and according to his goodness. Because think about this. Where would we be without God? We wouldn't exist, number one. But I mean, as far as in our day-to-day -day lives, we would have no food, we would have no water, we'd have no oxygen, of course, we'd have no life. We would have nothing without God. So every good thing comes from God, and that's what James chapter 1 says. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I'm so thankful that I can rely on God to be good to me, to, to, to give me his goodness. And again, Paul's prayer for these Thessalonian believers, let me make this disclaimer again, in the path of their obedience, in the submission of their life, and in, in, in the faithfulness that was exhibited as they were fulfilling the call of God, his prayer was that God would pour out every satisfying element according to his goodness in their lives. Man, I want that in my life. I want every satisfying element that's possible according to God's goodness. Second Peter chapter 1, according as his divine power has given unto all, uh, us all things pertaining to life and godliness. He's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything. Remember, these Thessalonian believers were faithful. And, and they were persecuted. But they were blessed. They were blessed. The Apostle Paul explained how he could, he could glory in the sufferings. He could embrace them. He could, he could say, you know what, I... I, 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 he said, I, I rejoice in my suffering. I, I embrace the uh, um, infirmity because, again, when he is weak, he is strong. They were faithful. They were persecuted. They were blessed. And they were experiencing, Paul wanted them to experience God's best in the middle of this. And so this brings to surface point number two. We can experience Unique blessings in struggles because or in our faithfulness. If you've never experienced that before, you're missing out. Because every time that you come up against a wall, every time that you come up against a mountain, every time that you, you come up to a sea that seems intimidating to you and an army feels like it's breathing down your back, every time that you face a giant and you don't know how it's going to fall, every time that you face something, you give up and give in. You're missing some of the unique blessings that are just ahead if you give up. If you quit, if you stop, if you pull back, you miss some of the unique blessings that God gives through the faithfulness of his people. See, we often want all the goodness of God without holding to a complete commitment to God. God, I want the best of both worlds. I want to please myself, my flesh, in this world, and I want all of your spiritual blessings in my life as well. What's that old saying? Wanting our cake and eating it too? That's, that's the way we live our lives oftentimes. 
Like, I, I just, I just kind of want to do my thing. I don't want the preacher telling me what to do. I don't want to feel like I'm tied to these commitments. I mean, I've got so many things going on in my life. I've got my job. I've got these hobbies. I've got these activities. I've got all this stuff, and, and, and I just can't do it all. But God, I want you to give me health. I want you to bless my finances and family. I want all these things to be good, raining down from your spiritual hand of blessings, as well as what I want in my life. I may not give God my best, but I surely want him to give me his. Truth is, he's already given us his best. And that's why it's grace. However, there are things we miss. Not because God hasn't given us, not because uh, uh, he doesn't want to give us, but I believe there's things that we miss, blessings from God we miss because sometimes we're not faithful the way that we should be. I'm just going through a lot right now. Okay, remain faithful. And you know what will happen? Just as the disciples were in the midst of that storm, you'll experience Jesus walking on the water. What if they, I mean, that, that's what happens. Jesus shows up sometimes in, in the middle of the storm. What if they hadn't been in the boat? Look, the news was saying there's a bad storm coming, Jesus. I don't want to be in the middle of a, in, in the sea in the middle of this storm. I mean, they're saying that this east wind is really going to be bad tonight. I, I don't really want to do I mean, I've got a lot of things I've got to do. I don't have time to be stuck out in the middle of the sea. I, I don't, how about you go take care of what you need to take care of. You take the other disciples and y'all go give the gospel on that side. Every, this stuff may inconvenience the life that I want right now. They would have missed this amazing experience with Jesus in the middle of that storm had they not continued the path of obedience and the calling of the Lord. Think about this. Would the children of Israel have seen that sea parted? Would they have seen something miraculous? I, I still can't wrap my mind around that because I've never seen something like that. I mean, I believe it by faith, but can you imagine what they thought? They had never seen a sea parted. To, to our understanding and knowledge, that was the very first time a sea had been parted for the children of God or for anybody. Can you imagine what that was like before? I mean, I've seen miracles before. I've, I mean, we've seen miracles in, in, in our church before. And people, hey, you got cancer. And the next thing you know, we don't know what to tell you. It's gone. It's, it's, you know, I mean, we, that, that's happened before. I mean, it doesn't look real good, and God blesses. And, I mean, there's other, you know, things. That person will never get saved. Next thing you know, they're saved. I mean, miracle after miracle we've seen. I've never seen a sea parted, though. That would blow my mind, you know. I mean, I, I would be, whoa. And think about the, the, the thought of walking through it. I guess if you saw the sea part, you wouldn't have a hard time walking through it. But me, in my mind, if I had never seen a sea parted, I'm thinking, I mean, I see it's dry, and I see the water and the fish. I see all of that. What happens if I walk through, you know? I mean, I'm just thinking, I've never done it before. I've never seen it before. But they were delivered on the other side. The army was swallowed up. Unique blessings happened because they continued to be faithful in following God. That's what happened. They didn't quit. Look, what, what could they have done? They were, they, were, they were upset. You brought us here to die. That's what they said. They started blaming them. Thanks a lot, Moses. You know, get us out of there. We, we escaped. We, you know, rushed out. Didn't let our bread rise. We had to eat, you know, flatbread and, and uh, you know, kill these, these animals and put it on the doorpost. We got out of there, all right, but now, great. We've come all the way out here to the desert up next to the sea just to die. Thanks a lot, you know. But God moved the water. And God, God provided a way, and there was unique blessings because they continued steadfast. Think about this. What if, what if one or two or three or four or five started to run back to the army like with white flags, you know? Like, we surrender. Look, we'll, you go get them. We'll be in your army, you know? <laughs> We want to go back to Egypt. We like the melons and, and onions and all that kind of stuff there anyways. 
they would have missed. And some of them did miss something because we know that there was an entire generation that didn't get to see the, the promised land. And it's because they didn't continue steadfastly, because they didn't continue faithful in the path of obedience. They, they, they missed this unique blessing from God. They had grace. God provided for them so many things, and they didn't deserve it. I mean, over and over again, that's what happened even in the wilderness, the wandering in the wilderness. They missed these unique blessings because they didn't remain faithful. See, faith is the root word of faithful. When you truly trust, you remain. That's what happens. Why do I remain? Why do I continue? Why are you faithful? Why do you continue even in the little things in the path of obedience? Why do you stay committed to Christ when things get difficult? Why? Even to, again, assembling on, in the middle of the week when, when things are crazy and things are tired and your body is wore out. Why, why does it, is it still important for you to gather with the saints of God with the, the central focus being our God, our Savior, our Lord, our King? Why do we continue in things like that? Why? Because we trust. We trust Him. He is our trust. Someone may argue, well, I don't have to go to church to show that I trust God. I would say, does not going to church show that you trust God? I mean, I mean the opposite, I mean, what's the option? You know, there's, there's two options. You can either be gathering with the saints of God or not gathering with the saints of God. And so people say, well, it doesn't mean that I trust God less. I mean, well, what does it say then? I mean, I don't know. I, I trust, and so I follow. I, I, I have faith in Him, so I, I try to remain faithful. And I'm not talking about sinlessness. I'm talking about this path and the calling of God. And I just use the assembling of the saints together just as an example. It is a major element of the church age. It's something that the Lord commanded. It's a major element of our togetherness as, as a body of Christ. It was seen from the very church, the beginning, the first church. It was seen there. They were together daily. They were breaking bread. They were in prayers. They were in doctrine. It was very important from the very beginning of the church. Jesus taught them that. He was in the temple teaching in the morning. We just saw that in Sunday mornings. He would go out and he would, he would fellowship with them at the, in, in, in the garden. It was important to be together because the world is going to try to divide us. Our flesh tries to pull us aside. It's important to gather. So again, it's just an example, but it is an important element. To worship the God we say we trust. To be stirred up, as Peter said to his readers, in remembrance of the things that they already knew. It's important. Again, you guys are here. But he goes on to say this, and I'm going to try to wrap it up. In the work of faith with power. In the work of faith with power. So again, Paul prayed that they would experience all the goodness of God in their faithfulness and that they would see the work of faith, their, their work of faith accomplished in God's power. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, I love this verse. It says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. See, without God's power, everything we do is in vain. Without God's power, let's shut the doors. We're just going through motions. We're, we're, we're a social club. Without the power of God in our lives and our lives together, everything we do is in vain. Without God's grace, we can do nothing for him. There is no opportunity, no open door without the grace of God. So again, everything is all about him. It's not about us. It's not about me. It's not about a, a certain crafted vision that we have. It's about the mission of God. It's about the call of God. It's about the power of God, the grace of God. All of these things, it's all about God. Without faith. And as James said, you can't say that you have faith without works. And so without the works by faith, the work of God, the works of faith. Everything is halted. And so why is all this vital? Why is that important? Why is the work of faith, why is all this stuff, the calling of God, faithfulness, why is it all so vital? Verse 12, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you, and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's prayer was so that they would, would continue, that God would deem them worthy of this calling and that they would experience all the goodness that God had to offer in their faithfulness, in spite of their persecution, and that, that they would continue to serve God and, and the work of faith 
would be blessed by the hand of God because it had the power of God inside it. And the purpose of all of that was that Jesus Christ's name would be glorified in their church, in their lives. His name glorified in our lives, in our church. That's what it's about, right? It's not about us. It's not about me. It can't be. It's about him. It's not about our name. It's not about my name. It's about his name. And it's about his name being exalted in us. Point number three, we should be focused on Christ being glorified through our work of faith and faithfulness. See, it speaks volumes to the world around us when we're faithful. It speaks volumes. And when we do what we say we believe, it speaks volumes to a world that's standing in, 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 in speculation and standing in, specula- uh, in, in, in skepticism and criticism. It speaks volumes to a lost world, to that lost coworker, to that lost neighbor, to, those, to the lost community around us when, when, when God's people actually do what they say they believe. So the question I have tonight is this, is a close. What does our faith and faithfulness or lack thereof say to unbelievers around us? Please listen to these questions. What does it say to unbelievers about a God who can't get his own people to show up without fail for worship services that are about him? What does it say to the lost about a God who can't even get his own people? They say, well, it's not God's fault. What does it say to unbelievers about a relationship with that God that isn't worth telling other people about? person that you are married to chances are at some point in time you shared with somebody that you were excited to be in love you're excited to be in this relationship with them and maybe it happened maybe you're you're married and say the the day that i got married i was so excited we put it in the paper we sent out announcements we invited people we were we were celebrating our relationship we celebrated every year on our anniversary. But what does it say about this relationship we have with God that we're hesitant to tell other people? Is it, is it really a worthwhile relationship? What does it say to unbelievers about a gospel that isn't worth giving to? See, the Thessalonian believers' faith and faithfulness spoke volumes to the lost people around them. To other believers, that's why the, the, the Judaizers, that's why people wanted to kill them and stop them because it was speaking volumes. They were radically different. They were radically stirring up their way of living and they wanted them stopped. That's why Paul was praying that they would be blessed in this, that they would continue to experience God's goodness regardless of the opposition, that they would continue to bring glory to Christ through all of it. And so my prayer tonight as, as musicians make their way is that we would have the same testimony to others who are without Christ. That when people in this community look at our lives and when people at your job, when people um, in your family and, and, and people that live next to you look at your life and look at my life and look at our life together, our church, that they would see our faith and our faithfulness. And this is what that our faith and our faithfulness would say. First of all, that there is only one God and he's real and he's worth gathering to worship for. Any time, any day, every time, every day. That God is real and there's only one God and he's worth worshiping. That our faith and our faithfulness would say to the lost world that a relationship with God is like no other relationship. And so we have to share it with other people. You may have had other relationships before, but the person that you're married to should be an absolutely unique relationship 
from everybody else. The relationship we have with our God, with our Savior, is absolutely unique, and it should be something that, because of our faith and our faithfulness to Him, it should speak to the world that this relationship is worth having. And thirdly, our faith and our faithfulness to the calling of God should tell the lost world that the gospel that transformed our life is valuable enough to give to so that it gets around the world. That's what our faith and faithfulness should say to the lost world around us. Again, the Thessalonians were making a mark in their culture. They were brand new Christians, and yet they were, they were making a stamp in their, in their culture, in their community. And it was for the name of Christ. But it happened through them simply submitting and remaining faithful. And so I want to, again, encourage us tonight, encourage you. Let's submit and stay faithful. Man, maybe you're going through something really hard right now. Maybe you're going through something really difficult. I'm encouraging you to submit and remain faithful. Because it's going to be in that that God's going to give you the power that you need to keep going. And it's going to be in that that you can experience unique blessings that you can't experience unless you continue to stay submitted and you remain faithful. So let's, let's make that commitment tonight. I, I think the church in America, I think, I think that there's so much about it that's missing the power of God today. I think, I think the power of God is missing in so many different ways. And we've seen the, the power of God work in our church so many times. I mean, even here recently, seeing people saved, people baptized. I mean, God blessing and bringing people. But I, I think there's still way more power that we haven't tapped into. And I, and I think it's because we maybe teeter back and forth. Let's submit. Let's remain faithful steadfast and see what God would do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this message tonight, this charge, this encouragement, this challenge, even for me, Lord. Um, and I, I thank you for this example that you've given us in your word of these new believers. I think sometimes we can get to uh, a, a spiritual age. We've been saved for 10 or 20 or 30 years or 40 or 50 or 60 years and think, that we're okay and, and yet be compromising. And we see these new believers there in, in Thessalonica with such a, a passion and a steadfastness. I pray that we would have that in our lives as well. That we wouldn't grow stale, that we wouldn't grow rotten in our faith, but God, we'd stay fresh and alive and vibrant, steadfast in the calling you've given to us. I pray that you just move tonight and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name.